We've been talking a lot about Star Trek these past few weeks, but I'm wondering if anybody is familiar with Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars, well, what about the very first movie, episode four, A New Hope, okay? The 1976 original best one, thank you very much. And this is a scene in the Death Star where Luke and Leia are running from the stormtroopers. And they're under fire and they turn down this hallway and they get to a point and they find a door and they run through that door and then the stormtroopers are gonna come through the door so they blast the door and they realize that they are on a ledge and they just blasted the controls to extend the bridge, right? And this is the reactor core now and there's this bottomless pit, a great chasm in front of them that they cannot cross. But then, Luke Skywalker takes his grappling hook on this lifeline and he swings it across to the other side. He grabs Leia around the waist. She gives him a kiss for luck and they swing across to the other side. Is that an amazing scene? <laughs> Amazingly told. <laughs> I thought about that scene from Star Wars when I read Jesus' parable. And I thought about the rich man and poor Lazarus, and at the end of the story, how there's this bottomless pit, this great gap that no one can cross. The rich man is on one side, and Abraham and Lazarus are on the other side, and there's no way to close that gap. And I think that the rich man, if he could, he would throw a grappling hook up there to Father Abraham and swing across that chasm. But his life is over, and he can't do that anymore. He could maybe have helped to close that gap, but now it's too late. So he says, please go warn my brothers that they repent and do not make the mistakes that I made. Tell them to pay attention to the poor and those who are suffering. The gaps keep getting wider. Please, please tell them to help heal humanity. My friends, we are the brothers and sisters of the rich man in this story. This story is meant for us to say, pay attention, look for the gaps. Look for the great divides between those who have enough and those who don't have enough, but also between those who are ill and those who are well, between those who sorrow and those who rejoice, those who are able to have time to care and those who are in need of caring. This past week, 
We saw a man trying to bridge a tremendous gap of violence and grief and racism. In that trial of Amber Geiger, the white police officer who killed her black upstairs neighbor as he sat watching TV, we saw in the courtroom, or I encourage you to see it online, we saw that victim's brother, Brant Jean, openly in court use his victim's statement time to forgive his brother's assailant. And then he asked the judge if he could embrace her. And they embraced. And if you've seen it, it was an amazing moment, full of the power of love and forgiveness. He said to her, I love you as a person and I don't wish anything bad on you. And they held each other there and cried for all the pain and all the sorrow. And I do believe those are healing tears. But it's complicated, isn't it? It's complicated. It's complicated because it seems that all the time African-American people are asked to swing into that gap. And we think it's amazing, and it is. But forgiveness is only one half of closing the gap. And closing the gap is reconciliation, making one, healing the divide. And that healing is the true goal. But it takes more than forgiveness on one side, for it takes that repentance on the other side to close that gap. That turning around, that turning away from the systems of injustice that keep the gap of white privilege so deadly. It takes tremendous courage and faith to do what that young man did and vulnerability. And my hope is that it inspires each and every one of us to have that courage and that faith, the honesty of true awareness and repentance to close that gap. We can close that gap with Jesus' help. There's so much courage, so much faith. Well, all month we've been talking about the little ways and the huge ways that we can help heal the world through engaging our hands and feet. How we engage with God, engage with our faith, engage with that courage, engage with the Holy Spirit and with each other 
So today, on this World Communion Sunday, in which we recognize our oneness in love, I want to talk a little bit about the ways in which people are helping to close those gaps in the church. I think we forgot our moment for ministry. Is that possible? We did. We forgot our moment for ministry about the peacemaking offering, so I'm going to do it right now. The peacemaking offering and global witness offering is one of four denominational offerings that every Presbyterian church takes on World Communion Sunday to recognize our oneness in healing the world. And this money goes to Presbyterian programs all throughout the world and in the United States for healing, peace, and justice. Now, we get to name what 25% goes for. And this year, we have named that our 25% will go to Presbyterian Disaster Assistance, PDA. These are the folks that volunteer to work on the ground in the gaps in the Bahamas. Presbyterian Disaster Assistance is there. They were the first responders. The churches that survived are on the ground right there, right then, giving water and tarps and food and medicine. We have partner churches. They were in Puerto Rico. Some of you went to Puerto Rico to help be in that gap with Presbyterian Disaster Assistance to help heal and bring reconciliation to those who were suffering and those who had the time and the energy and the resources to meet that suffering, that's bridging the gap. That's what our peacemaking offering will do today. Here at CCPC, we bridge the gap with DC's Hungry through Miriam's Kitchen. You can do that. My husband learned how to make the best scrambled eggs from the cook at Miriam's Kitchen. He's here today. Ask him about it. There's a special way to add the cream. Joyce Zickler will be downstairs, and Joyce will tell you more about how you might engage your hands and feet at Miriam's Kitchen. Some folks here join together on Sunday afternoons to teach English as a second language to bridge the language gap between 23 different nations. I know that some of you here have done that. You have gotten into the gap. You have grabbed a hold of somebody by the waist and you have swung them across to a better interaction here with the English language. There are folks that we need to help bridge the gap, and that is our asylum seekers, Artur and Gendry. Some of you may be experiencing the gap of going online to the sign-up genius. Perhaps? Sign up downstairs during coffee hour. Just let people know that you're willing to do something, and they'll make sure you get signed up. I have asked Emily Schmidt and Chris Davenport to tell you about the ways they are engaging their hands and feet to build bridges and 
across chasms and work for reconciliation. Emily. Good morning. When we went to Kenya with Lawson and Sawyer, uh, Jim and I this summer said, look, if we're going to go this far, if we're going to spend this much money, if we're going to have this many people putting their crocs and their hopes and their prayers behind us, you better get there and do your job. You better dig in and go where you're supposed to be and make sure when somebody asks you to do something, you just go there. You're part of the moment. Well, they did it, but as so often happens, I found myself in a situation where it was hard to follow my own advice. This happened at the feeding program at Shikoho. And if you don't know about the feeding program, CCPC makes sure that about 150 kids from preschool through about 14 years old get food every single day. These are kids who may not get a warm meal in midday otherwise. And so what you see in the middle of the day is these kids, some of them will come from the preschool program, some of them walk from their school, and they kind of come out of nowhere across these red clay roads and there's corn behind them and they come and stand in line with their plates and they get cabbage and they get some beans and they get some rice and it's handed out by the oldest kids who make sure that every single little kid eats before they eat their own food. And so when I was sitting there watching and I thought this is amazing, this is exactly what I sat in CCPC and thought it would look like. But what I somehow had forgotten to think about when I was sitting in the pews was what happens to that food? How does it get there? It doesn't just appear, it's cooked by the women. And when they cook it, it's in this stone hut kind of. And when you go inside, I was invited to step inside, so I did, I went there, and it was smoky, and it was dark, and it was stiflingly hot, and it was horrible, and I went there, and I went right back out. And I sat there feeling so privileged and so horrible because here was something that I had had my throat burning and I couldn't even talk and I couldn't handle it. I couldn't do it. And I thought, seven days ago, I paid $20 to have Uber Eats bring me a salad to my front door in Chevy Chase because I was too tired to cook. And here were these women, $20 rent was about three weeks salary for their school teachers. And they were going into this kitchen, and they were cooking, and it was horrible, and they did it because they had to do it. When I went to Kenya, I thought that I was going to get to see the feeding program and say, wow, look at the great stuff CCPC is doing. Isn't this great? And I did, and we are doing wonderful, amazing things there. It is so critically important. But what I did not expect to see was the strength of these women who were going into the kitchen and they would cook in that awful, dangerous conditions. And then they would come out. And you could see them stand there and take in breaths of fresh air. And you could see them take their aprons and wipe their eyes. And I realized what they were doing was really incredible, important work as well. And so the gap that I saw was that they can't do it without us. They could not feed those kids without us doing it. But we sure as heck can't do it without them. We need them to fulfill a job. And so what I saw was a gap that closed a distance of thousands of long miles to travel, of income, of privilege. And the most important thing is that when those kids stand in line again tomorrow, there will be no gap. They will have the food that we've all provided for them. 
Uh, good morning, I'm Chris Davenport. I'm uh, one of the deacons here. And uh, what the deacons do is we're sort of the uh, connective tissue between uh, the church, this sanctuary, this place of grace that Molly said earlier. And we go out into the community with big hearts, we try, to um, give people rides to church, um, to escort people who need help to get into the church. And uh, we bring flowers to people. We bring flowers for birthdays, for anniversaries, uh, if they've had a death in the family, or sometimes just to say hi and to make that connection, to bridge that gap. Um, that's sort of my favorite part. And I like to bring my, my kids with me. And it's funny, I can't get my kids to like clean up their room or take out the garbage, but I always seem to get them to come out with me on a flower delivery. And there was one time when uh, somebody in this congregation had fallen, was hurt, and was in the hospital. And I turned to my daughter and I said, we should probably bring her flowers. And she said, yeah, so we did. And we went off to bring her flowers and we walk into the room and she sees us and she's surprised and then just burst into tears. And there was this moment of connection and she looked up and she had one question. And that question was, does Molly and Eric know that I'm here? Do they know? And I said, yes, they know. And I had told her that that day, during joys and concerns, we had said a prayer for her. And she just, you could see the physical connection and, and how that, that meant. That meant a, a great, great deal. Um, and it made a great deal to us. And we're walking out and I said something to my daughter and she just looked up and said, wow, daddy, that was really great. Jesus came to bridge the gap between God's perfect love and all of us. Jesus came to heal the world. Jesus came to bridge all of those gaps and all of those chasms that separate us, that divide us, that wound us. And Jesus is with us when we step into those gaps or seek to build those bridges. And what you've heard here is people who find in the gap the great, great, great love of God. So, Let us throw out the gap grappling hooks and swing across. Let us get our hands and our feet and get to building bridges and get down in the gaps and work for the healing of the world. Here at this table, all are one. When we come forward, we are all one in Christ and all one with each other and all one with every person on the face of the earth. At this table, God heals, God unites. Let us be strengthened that we may be the hands and feet that go out to heal the world. Amen.